those of you that attend Grace regularly, you recognize that part of the DNA of our church, what, one of the things that makes us who we are and is not just a focus of our church, but, but part of what we do is that we love missionaries. We recognize that as a church, healthy churches understand that not only is there local evangelism that takes place, but there's also a, a thrust into the world to reach the lost. And as a result of that, when you walk into our foyer, you see a, a map of the world that Pastor Marcus painted up there with little strings that go from Syracuse, New York to the world, which is our hands extended to different parts of the world because we, we love the fact that God allows us an influence that goes way beyond the boundaries of Syracuse, goes into all the world. We have with us today probably the most familiar missionary family to Grace Assembly because they have sat where you're sitting. They came from this body of believers. Many of you know them personally and know them well, and, and I recognize that as you go on the field, whenever you come back, that the faces change because there's like 500 new friends here that you haven't met before that we can't wait to introduce you to. But uh, I want to welcome our local Grace Assembly of God missionaries, the Anderson family. Would you welcome them this morning as they come? Tim and Debbie. Thank you. Guys. I got this. Great to be here. I uh, was reflecting as we were worshiping this morning the years, uh, many, many years ago, uh, when God called, God called in 1981, uh, called me to the mission field when I was living and working in Team Challenge, and uh, spending a lot of time at the altar, I mean just a lot, early morning prayer, and I got to share a quick story, and it'll make you laugh as I chuckled thinking about it. Uh, Brother Sorge and I, we, before becoming missionaries, for about six weeks, we had in early, early morning prayer from five to seven every morning, six weeks in a row, and um, come there, and it, it, it was exhausting sometimes because your body's not used to all, you know, the, the transition, and so I would walk and walk and walk because I could fall asleep easily on my knees, uh, and done that many times, and uh, we had another, uh, one of the, a young guy there, and I guess we were all kind of young at that time, and uh, his name was Luke, won't give you his last name unless you ask me later. And he'd be laying down on the benches, had benches in those days, and he'd be praising God. He'd go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When he got to the third or fourth, thank you, Lord, he was like, <laughs> just resting in the Lord. He would just, every time, every time he'd do that, it's like he'd just come here. And uh, I guess it's a good place to rest in the Lord, you know. But anyway, just uh, funny memories and uh, incredible. The wonderful past, the glorious future is built on prayer. It really is. You want a, a glorious future, wow. Just keep praying. Pray with your spouse, pray with your children, and uh, have your own personal prayer life. I'll tell you, that is the key to keeping a, a glorious future. I've uh, got to say some quick things. We're going to have a video, and then Debbie's going to share. We have a book out um, that we wrote, uh, 30 Stories in 30 Years. Uh, we've been 33 years as missionaries, but this is... Uh, something we wrote uh, two years ago, and um, I'll share three of those stories, and there's 29, I have actually a bonus of two extra in there, and so they're uh, Escapes from Death, 11th Hour Deliverances, Miracles, and Other Missionary Adventures, Riveting Stories with Remarkable Endings, and so um, you'll want to, if you want to get that, they're $15, 
you don't have that 10, if you don't have that 5, you don't have any money, take one and, pr and pray for us, okay? And I mean that. They're in the back there, and we have plenty of those. How many remember the Thailand cave rescue uh, in August? Remember that? Our son headed that up. Derek headed that thing up. I was in the jungle for eight days and had no clue what was going on. Debbie goes, you'll never guess what happened while you were gone. And... Uh, Derek is our oldest son, and he's a pararescueman, special forces. He made PJ of the Year uh, two years ago, the number one PJ uh, pararescue in all the Air Force, recognized in the Pentagon and everything else. And then he's been stationed in Japan for the last three years. They called him up when those boys were discovered missing, and the Thailand uh, special forces asked him to come in, and, uh, and he gave me all the nitty-gritty. So anyway... Uh, they have a book out, uh, Boys in the Cave, by Matt Gutman, the ABC Correspondence. It's just come out, I think, recently, and it's really accurate. I read the book, and it uh, shows all the interesting things. But anyway, I have a little article here. He got to throw the baseball out at the uh, Chiefs game uh, last summer, and uh, we had this uh, great booth up there with all the uh, trimmings. That was kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, uh, so now, you know, my famous son, he you know, was on the, the talk shows and everything else, you know, the Good Morning America with uh, CNN and all the others, so that was kind of funny. But uh, God's kept him, and, uh, and he's uh, using him, you know, using him to be a, a force for, for Christ in, all over the world, and uh, so anyway. Um, I have a lot we're going to be going through. If you're interested in that meeting, as Pastor Doug said, it'll be after the second service, and uh, uh, I think Ron Hill, the uh, director of the missions board, he has a paper that has a lot of details. If you can't make that meeting and are still interested, see Ron, where is Ron around here? Yeah. No, he'll be out there. Okay, so anyway, um, we're going to show you a uh, about a four and a half minute video, and then Debbie will give up, come up and tell you the real nitty gritty uh, for a few minutes, and then I'm going to share the word. So. Uh, you can start that video, Jim, whenever you can. Hi, we're Tim and Debbie Anderson, Assembly of God World Missionaries here in Ecuador for more than 31 years. We want to thank you for your faithful support that has kept us here. Without you, we wouldn't be here. I'd like to present a new and exciting project that we're involved with, the Latin American Child Care Schools in the deep Amazon rainforest where there's no road access. We hike up to eight hours after flying or driving in to get to our different villages. We have approximately 400 students that are in our four schools. Yo me llamo Wilfrido Chiriapa, coordinador del Colegio 24 de Octubre. Estoy trabajando cinco años y más tres profesores. Uh, calculamos 400 alumnos que están participando en diferentes, son de diferentes pueblos que están asistiendo aquí para formar y trabajamos para formación profesional a todos los pueblos chuares que vivimos aquí en esta selva amazónica, pero estamos luchando para que nuestros jóvenes un día sean mejores profesionales participe, que represente a su pueblo, que represente a un país y que valorar la cultura. Me llamo Mónica Guacho, yo soy de Tres Maríes, estoy en primer año de bachillerato. Hago tres horas para venir en esta comunidad Cusutca y este colegio me, me ha gustado porque nos enseña lo mejor. 
Y mi objetivo es cuando yo me gradúe quiero ser enfermera y ayudar a mi pueblo. Mi nombre es Diego Xinia, soy el pastor de aquí de Cusutka. Estamos encargados de la formación cristiana, valor en cada uno de los niños. ¿Cuál es nuestra visión a futuro? Levantar liderazgo en cada uno de los niños y esas generaciones que Dios ha puesto en estas manos. Ya que la Biblia lo dice, soy el Dios de Abraham, Isaac y de Jacob. Y nuestra visión es ahora trabajar en cada uno de los niños. Cultivar una buena enseñanza en valores, en principios cristianos para que a futuro ellos lo puedan replicar en sus hogares. Ya que no solamente son niños, son futuras papás y futuras mamás. Y si nosotros trabajamos en ellos, estamos trabajando en los futuros líderes de estas comunidades. Que me encanta en cambio de, de la comunidad de estos jóvenes, son un potencial, tienen tanto que dar, una creatividad innata que hay en ellos, que en el medio que viven se explota todo lo que ellos puedan crear y, y para jugar y di divertirse y nosotros aprovechamos en este corto tiempo, sacamos todo eso que ellos tienen, eh, cada uno individualmente, de forma individual. Me encanta como su curiosidad les permite aprender, les, les encanta aprender lo nuevo. Tienen una inteligencia, una memoria retentiva, visual, que eso nos ayuda totalmente a, a trabajar con ellos. We only have sponsors for 25% of those students. We desperately need your help to be able to sponsor the others and run these schools efficiently as God wants us to. The Christian education in the Schwar Nation, these former headhunters, will make all the difference in the world. Some of our graduates are currently professors, political leaders that affect the whole Schwar Nation, 125,000 strong. Please consider prayerfully supporting this school, supporting the work in the Amazon rainforest with your prayers and monthly giving. Thank you so much. Just want to reiterate what Tim said, that one of the greatest investments that you can make in a Christian child is their education. And we ask you to just team up with us, find a child that uh, you see on the table, pick that child up, his portfolio, and begin to support his education or her education for just a small amount every month. And it will make a huge difference in the kingdom of God advancing in the Amazon region of Ecuador. Thanks. Thank you so much. Set my phone. Ladies, all the men will appreciate this. I'm set to seven minutes. <laughs> um, so a little bit about the Child um, Hope Schools. We, um, it's, I call it the toxic mushroom. I know that's a term of endearment, right? But we started out with four, and then we went up to six, and then we went up to seven, and now we're up to ten. So there's over 400, probably 600 at this point. I don't know the exact numbers, but we have many, many children in how many s villages? Is it the full 10 villages? 10 villages. 10 villages, and so what you would do is you would adopt the education of that child. We're asking for a one-year commitment, then you can see where you're at, and if you wanna re-up and take this child all the way through high school, that would be a glorious future for that child. So it's $36 a month, and that covers their, their little uniforms they had on, and all, we fly in all their materials. It's a Christian-based curriculum. And we have Christian teachers, and some of those teachers were actually our students way back in the day. So it's a kind of a Ferris wheel that's going on now. So we're seeing our, our littlest ones that have come to Christ. Um, as Mel was saying, she came to Christ here at the church. 
now becoming leaders, pastors, and teachers in our villages. And um, if you can't do 36 a month, Tim says we don't want to leave anyone out. So you could just pledge to our work account, um, $5 or $10, and he will tell you how to put the, the form out. And um, you could just be a part of the jungle ministry. There's lots to do there. And we also have our Keto Men's Team Challenge. So in order to stay in the time frame, I typed out what I wanted to say this morning. And I do need to put the specs on, so one second. There we go. Here it is. I hope you have your listening ears on. You can tell I'm a teacher. Wanting to keep to my brief time limit, it is best to write out my thoughts here this morning. You, dear Grace Assembly, are are our most precious family besides our biological families. And I'll just, a little caveat here. My son-in-law, Dan, is with these two little wiggle worms who have Anderson DNA. Hello, Liam. Hello, Finney. And Alicia is flying all night right now from Mexico City. So he's going from here to the airport to pick up our daughter. She has an international job. So um, you are our most precious family besides our own biological families. We joined this church in 1981. That makes us here about 38 years. We met when our cell groups back then, for those of you that were way back then, it was lay leadership and our cell groups merged. Our topic that night was, what do you think God's will is for your life? Tim said he felt it was to become a missionary. He was 27. I said, I just recently felt that the Lord told me to possibly do summer missions work in South America. He asked me for Spanish lessons, and we had one. Um, he, we were engaged five months later, married four months after that here at Grace. That's nine months very fast. Many are the memories that have been sown in 38 years. Three pastors, scores of assistant pastors, board members, and happenings which have taken place in this very same building. Unfortunately, we have been distanced from most of it due to being foreign missionaries, now beginning our 33rd year. Included in that time frame, Tim got his master's from Azusa Pacific University in leadership, and I got a doctorate in education from Capella University, Our children have gotten bachelor's degrees, two have master's, and they have blessed us now with our sixth grandchild. So Alicia that's flying all night is also pregnant. And uh, she plans her birth control methods on when I'm on furlough. Just lovely little (laughs) things she does there. In 1990, then our youth pastor, Dave Frank, led a group of youth to come to Quito and help with our first church plant. Some of those who went included Matt Lincoln, who is now with Jesus, the Oliveri girls, and others who were later called into ministry. In 1992, Jim Sedol, Bill Senecal, John Daigle, Tom Seeley, Dave Krigowski, and Dave LaFleur went into Deep Jungle. Did I get them all, Jim? Okay, to help build a church in Kawa. Now, this is the cool part. Now, in 2019, this church family is going to that same village to build a new structure, this time with steel and brick. Kawa is anxiously awaiting your arrival in August. 
when I think of our church, the verse that comes to mind most accurately to describe you is this one. Philemon, verse 21. I'm writing to you, confident of your obedience and knowing that you, Grace Assembly, will do more than what I ask. So that would be like us saying, hi, we're here again. We need more money. We need a laptop. We need shoes. We need something for Teen Challenge. And you always, like, go the second and third mile. And it's just... I guess it's a family thing. We ask you to pray about coming. Tim will be with you to guide the group. It'll be in August, and I'll still be here and having to teach and things, so I won't be going unless the Lord opens that up. You will be divinely selected. We know that, that in the providence and works of God, he knows who he wants on this team. We will be praying with you on hearing God's voice on that. If you don't go, you should give. If you can't give or go, you should pray. You can do one, two, or all three. Finally, while we're on furlough, we need you. Well, I do. I need the ladies' meetings. I need the fellowship, the married couples' Bible study at Sadal's. Thank you for that wonderful pantry shower that you gave us upon our arrival. I was remiss due to our daughter's wedding in August to publicly thank you through the bulletin, but it was a godsend and a blessing. We salute you in this new glorious future ahead. We will be praying for the leadership team and Pastor Doug for this highly challenging step forward. Yet we know that he who called you is faithful and will also do it, both your salvation and this church project. Honey, I can't see the time. Hold on. It's, I'm down to seconds. Six seconds. Please keep us in prayer as we finish itinerating now our eighth term to some 11 states 200 churches, and clock about 60 to 70,000 miles on our two vehicles. Prayer is our protection. We love you and thank you. These are new shoes, and my left foot is smaller than my right, so I'd just like you to know why that's slipping off. Open to Luke chapter 5, please. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. And I guess you guys have got it right behind you. <laughs> this is the New King James Version. Luke 5, verse 1. Now so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, talking about Jesus, of course, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now when, they had, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish, fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought the boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. What an incredible story. This story of this divine encounter, of this miracle, is what brought Simon, James, and John, the three inner circle of Jesus, into being his followers and uh, forsaking all, followed him. What an incredible experience. And I believe those fish went to a good cause to help fund, I believe, uh, quite a bit of their ministry for the first uh, number of months. I'm just guessing that. I don't know. It's not in the Bible. But I would guess those fish didn't go to waste. Interesting. The net was breaking, but didn't, wasn't broke. The boats were sinking, but they weren't sunk. Isn't that interesting? I mean, to full, full capacity. We have just gotten a road the last several years into deep jungle. It is incredible. It is something of a, uh, a miracle for me. I thought never, ever, ever, ever could that happen. I work in mountainous jungle. You don't take nice, relaxing boat rides down the river because the rivers are rushing down this mountainous <laughs> altitude and you want to survive crossing the river that's your idea can I get across that river and survive I can't ride it you can't navigate these rivers but they've built a road by taking the huge rocks starting out like the size of a desk getting down to the size of uh, what's the weather a chair smaller and smaller and then eventually gravel and sand and a platform of five or six feet that continues through the jungle makes the road and to me, it is the road to heaven <laughs> because of hiking hour after hour, hundreds and hundreds of miles, 12 hours at a time to get to my villages, to get out eventually to the uh, nearest roads. Uh, it is incredible. And at 39 years of age, you look for something a little bit easier to do. Uh, <laughs> Want to see if they're awake, Pastor Doug. Want to make sure everybody's awake. I'm actually in my early 40s. Didn't want to say it, but we're... <laughs> but anyway... It's incredible, but with this, opportunities have opened up. You talk about the harvest. You don't go into the village without invitation because you can go leave with your head in your hand and shrunken because they are the former head shrunk shrinkers and a lot of them not former. Uh, some of our missionary schwar go into areas now into such deep jungle, and I'm talking two or three days of hiking, taking whatever, however they can get there, which I could never get into these areas. And they pass through some very, very uh, incredible places where there still is the practice of head hunting. And uh, they're always looking for a good head because they bring a good price these days. And so you're talking about very uh, brave young men, warriors, that said, that's nothing. We know, you know, God's with us. He's going to protect us. We're, gonna, we're doing this. And it's like, so we pray and plead the blood of Jesus over them, these young men. That, that you see these two guys that I'm hanging on to and other guys like that that go into incredible deep areas and are missionaries now in their, uh, some of them in their mid-30s that have been with us all of these years since they were babies and now are, are incredible warriors for Christ, missionaries into deep areas. 
that this is the time of harvest. This is the time to bring those nets out. This is the time. Before, when I had to go by myself, or I'd, I'd bring a couple of Shuar guys with me, I was the only one out there. Now I bring in an army of pastors. My Team Challenge graduates come with me. My leaders come with me. Uh, people from the states can come with me. And uh, you don't have to uh, hike and hike and hike and hike and, and all kinds of logistical issues and all kinds of uh, and demanding, physical demanding issues. You can get to these areas where uh, it took a great amount of effort to get there before. I've got a guest house. I call it the Schwar Hilton, four and a half stars. At least that's what it, the sign says that we put up there. Uh, for those interested in coming on the trip, uh, we have actually flush toilets, showers. We have a kitchen, eating regular food rather than nasty food that you might bring in. <laughs> and uh, it's like a, a, an incredible luxury. Um, i got to tell this, but you guys won't worry about this, the team coming. In one of the stories in my book, in that same village, I was with a doctor and a dentist um, doing medical clinics for about a week in a couple different villages. And we were three days in Kumai, where we'll be stationed, and then we're going to take uh, transportation about five miles to another village to build it in Kawa. And that five miles, which was a good uh, three-hour hike through the jungle, because it wasn't five miles, it was like probably about eight miles when you're done curving around and doing all the stuff to get there. Um, one night when we were right in a very primitive hut, no door, and I'm right in the front of it, the doctor is behind me, the dentist is behind me, and I'm right in the front under mosquito nets. Um, course I put my earplugs in because the, the jungle can be noisy and I'm a light sleeper so I, it's my custom to do that. In the morning Ron the dentist good friend of mine says Tim he goes what was all that noise last night and I go what noise he goes well all the dogs that were barking I said here any dogs of course I have the earplugs in right and he goes and there was this big growl this growl and I thought didn't hear that I look up three feet from my head right outside the door right there is a giant paw print of a jaguar a big one, like the size of my hand, 250 pounder, three feet fresh, very like a couple hours old. I go, whoa, he got close there, right there, <laughs> right. That was the the growl they heard. Of course, they're behind me, but still close. And like I'm right there, didn't hear a thing. <laughs> Isn't the Lord good? Doesn't it say in Psalm, Psalm 91 that He gives His angels charge over you. Amen. And I said, well, I'm glad I didn't know that. Uh, look at that. that guy. But in anyway, the guest house, we're, you know, don't worry about that now. We've got good doors on the, on the, uh, on the uh, guest house, and the Jaguar will not get in. We're not letting him in. He's got to stay on the outside if he happens to come in. Oh, I forgot to mention, there was kind of meat hanging over our head uh, that we're eating off for a couple of days. Uh, because of that, he came up from the river valley and was looking for a little... Uh, lunch I guess like something like that so that's why and it was right over us if you can believe it so there we are and so it's like if you're out into bear country and you put you know food right over your head kind of the same thing I guess that would be that that's uh, one of the things that you don't want to really do as a practice you know when you're in the, these kind of areas um, but you live and learn you know you've got to be able to uh, you know take from that and say I just don't want to kind of repeat that thing when the Lord called me in 1981 I actually went through a three-part process the birth death and resurrection of a vision I, uh, I went to Cornell uh, in 75 to 77 I was on the uh, gymnastics team up and down the East Coast all every weekend um, 
went to, uh, had two jobs. The Ivy League schools cannot pay you any scholarship. I was on the uh, Ivy League championship uh, gymnastics team. We won the whole Ivy League uh, cha- um, competition both years in a row when I was there. I was part of that. Uh, just busy, busy, busy. Every minute of my life was scheduled. Uh, then became a banker um, in 77, 78. And during 1978, three incredible things happened. I'd been saved for three years. But being so busy at Cornell and so involved, I had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I received the baptism that year, and I was a banker in a very conservative bank. That was, that's like torture. You have such a, a, an overflowing and desire to share Christ, and you're like in a prison house, you know. Uh, and, you, and it's like, but and you try to behave yourself as much as you can, but, you know, word gets out. And, um, and anyway, I worked at that bank a little over a year. And, um, but during that year, um, the baptism happened. Uh, a miraculous healing of my foot happened. I uh, broke my bone playing basketball, twisted it very quickly. And I uh, had it prayed over about five times. Nothing happened. But pr- picking up a hitchhiker and proclaiming Christ as healer, he healed my foot with powerful electricity. This just came right down my leg and settled into it that moment and healed it when I was talking to him. And I was like blown out of my, I don't know, my, it's like, what? And it was just all the pain went, and it was like totally healed. I hammered the cast off the next day, you know, being, t- being very proactive. <laughs> and... Uh, I, was, I can't walk, and that's, there's no pain, but I just, it broke. I saw the x-rays. I went to the hospital. I saw the break there in the bone. I saw that, and it was, you know, it was like, and uh, anyway, the next weekend, I was up in the barn. I had my shoes on at that point, and I fell down off this thing. I lost my balance and landed from maybe that high up, slammed right on the break that I just broke the week before, and it held perfect. No pain at all, and that was 78, just powerful miracle. And my faith in healing just went up exponentially. I mean, that happened to me. I don't care it, what you say about healing, when, you know, the dispensation of it. I experienced it. And uh, not that moment when I was prayed for, or the third or fourth or fifth time, but the next day when I proclaimed Jesus as healer, he did a miracle, incredible miracle. And wow. So that happened. The third thing that happened is I had a vision of the rapture. And I'm not going to go into all the details. It's pretty long but I'll say one thing about it. Maybe at another time we'll get into it. When that happens, and it will happen in two years or 20, we don't know, but when it happens, and it will happen, everybody in the world will know about it. It won't be hidden. In my vision, I saw a ring of fire around the entire planet. Everybody could see the ring of fire, and everybody knew that this was God's divine movement on the earth. And... Whatever you were at that moment, at that second, whatever you were, that's what you were. If you were right with God, you were going. If you weren't, you were staying. Overwhelming joy and paralyzing fear were right together for those who were ready and those who weren't. And most weren't ready. And wow, I'll just share that. Those powerful things happened that year. And eventually... Uh, 
in January of 79, the senior vice presidents of the bank called me before them and said, Tim, what the Lord prepared me for that morning. He said, from Hebrews 13, my early morning devotions, Timothy has now been set at liberty or been released from prison in Hebrews 13. And he, the Holy Spirit said, pay attention, I'm speaking to you. I go, wow. And of course, I knew the verse. Uh, Timothy, released, liberty. What's this? What's all this about? Well, they were announcing, unbeknownst to the direct manager, assistant manager of a large branch in Auburn, that they were going to release me into my new calling. They were going to fire me. Because <laughs> that's what the word never came up. That's semantics. It's all semantics. <laughs> and uh, they felt that I had another call. These... These were good men. I, I have to say, they were good men. And I said, I agree with you, but now I'll show you why you're right. And I, there was no problem with me. God prepared me, even the week before, prepared me, bringing everybody into my office that I had spoken to, and I logged it all down, and, and it was just incredible uh, how he prepared the whole thing. And um, I said, uh, you have to hear my testimony. I shared for 45 minutes with these men, and they listened intently. And I leaped for joy because I knew God was in it, but then very desperate to find out what he wanted from me. And so then really getting up early, praying, praying, praying in the word for hours and hours, reading through the book of Deuteronomy in one sitting, things like that to hear from God. And it says in uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And I said, Lord, I'll just make you known wherever I am. You're going to have to bring me to the person or to the place, wherever you want me, I'm just going to acknowledge you. I'm just going to trust you with that. And then after uh, several months uh, at the job listings in downtown Syracuse, a Teen Challenge graduate right next to me, we started talking to each other to witness to each other. And he said, we just lost some staff. We need some help. Little did I know of the great $25 uh, salary that was coming out of that job and uh, began to live and work in Teen Challenge full time uh, in uh, 1979 and did so until uh, 1986 when we were called into missions. The Lord released me as I shared the three steps of the calling, birth, birthing that call at Teen Challenge through Hebrews 11.8. And it says, Abraham left his country not knowing where he was going. He obeyed God. It talks about Abraham obeying, not knowing. In my heart, when he called me, when I read that scripture and it became rhema to me, the Holy Spirit goes, this is for you receive it and it was so powerful and I said I don't know but I, but in my heart it was like it'll be South America it will be the continent not Central America and it won't be Brazil with Portuguese it will be a Spanish-speaking South American continent continent country I don't know which one and then uh, so I got with Max Rossi I don't know if anybody has ever heard of him or knows him he you know he's been uh, in education and the provost at uh, Vanguard University and now president over there and, and all over the place he's, he's a doctorate and his wife, Olympia, who was a Greek uh, woman, homeschooled with five kids like us. Um, he became my teacher as I began studying for Span uh, Spanish to get ready. But after six months, and still in Teen Challenge, the Lord also gave me Jeremiah 12.5. If you have um, um, raced with the footmen and they tire you, how can you compete with the horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thicket by the Jordan? Jeremiah 12.5. In other words, you're not ready yet. You're not going. Wait. And I've already been at Teen Challenge two and a half years. It felt like 25 years. 
living, working, 24-7 teen challenge. And uh, it's the greatest ministry in the world, but I felt like an old man after two and a half years. And I was ready to go, but the Lord said, no, you're not going. And I said, Lord. But I knew I can't go. If he's, if he's not going to give me his release, I'm not going. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay. And so little did I know that he was bringing Debbie into, which would come in the next year, into my life, and that I would go, not as a single, because I was a member of the Eunuchs of the Kingdom Club with Dave Pilch and uh, another uh, friend of ours. <laughs> we were, for, until we got married, we had that gift of singleness, <laughs> and we lost and got married. And, uh, and, and God just worked incredible to bring all these things about. Incredible spiritual warfare, where I learned how to pray through, and very incredible deliverance, which would come in so powerful dealing with witch doctors and all kinds of demonic powers uh, in the jungle and all kinds of things I've dealt with over the years in campaigns and Teen Challenge and other areas in Ecuador. He was preparing me much further. And so um, the release of that was that from Isaiah 43, 18, 19, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I will make a river in the desert. I will make a roadway in the wilderness. Now go. And he, was, and he had prepared all of the things. Pastor Doug and I were ordained in 1986. And then it was like, all right, you have to have that to be a commissioned missionary. You have to be ordained. And uh, that had to happen. And so now all of these things. God's timing is every bit as important as his will is. Every bit. You don't jump ahead. You have to stay in rhythm. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Jesus, what you're doing, I want to be doing. I want to be in rhythm with you. Holy Spirit, help me to hear his voice. And so those things would begin to, those things begin to fall into place. We came down with severe hepatitis the first month and a half coming there. It kept me from the jungle for a year, as it was a better part of that year recuperating from this incredible relapse. I had actually a relapse of it in the middle of it. But it brought me into the prisons where I began to preach and begin to have a heart for that kind of a ministry. And we started a team challenge of 70 men in the prison that is pow was powerful and, and reached all throughout that incredible 1,300-man prison where there were murders every week. It was just incredible atmosphere. And then, and then after 10 years of intense ministry with that, 10 campaigns, ministering in the jungle, the Lord dealt with me about starting a team challenge. I have a huge 60-bed team challenge in there that we built 25 years ago with about 30 teams over a five-year period. A huge four-story building with um, just incredible two-acre property in North Quito. And they, will become, they had become now, in the last three or four years, my major ministers to help me in the jungle work with pastors to come in and do the evangelism. I do United Church services with eight villages that come together every month. I send a bus in, and they go with that road and bring them. And now I've got uh, 250, 300 schwar that meet you know, and because these villages are far apart, and, and but you can get to them, get to them with the road, and just use the team challenge leaders are helping me to be able to do all these things. It was just incredible how ex drug addicts can minister to ex headhunters. It's just incredible uh, combination. I don't know what, how it works, but anyway, it's the time for harvest. It's the time to grab the nets and not lose them, not lose the harvest. Grab them and start pulling them in. He had to. He said he had to get help from from James and John, or in, be in danger of losing that all in the sea after he had got, gotten the, just a, a, a full catch of fish and he needed a lot of help. Debbie and I need help now 
because God has just opened up these doors, especially with the schools, with those uh, children. They are the future to bring them up with Christ and to make them mighty warriors. That is what God is doing. And so pray about becoming a sponsor of one of those children and grabbing the net and pulling it in with us and just seeing God do incredible things. We have got leaders that I am just so proud of. And I believe that you, by connecting with them, you will have a relationship with them in heaven. I just believe that. When you pray for somebody, when you invest your heart with them, when you help support them, God, I believe, has a way of making that known in heaven. I know I've prayed for a lot of people, a lot of relatives that I haven't seen in 50 years. I want them to know what I've invested in them when they're in heaven. I want them to know that. I'd like them to know that I haven't forgotten about them. And I want you to do that, too, for your loved ones, too. Don't give up. Incredible miracles if you don't give up. Just keep standing. The three mighty men of David, why were they the, the mightiest, the three that were the, in the first team? Because they stood their ground when an army attacked and they didn't move. They defended an area. They just stood. We stood and prayed in our first campaign, which w- we were ready to lose our land when we were ready to go on furlough. The landlords were ready to kick us off, and we prayed five to seven every morning, six months straight. I got up and went out and prayed up in that cold tent and God broke through that landlord, broke through the, the man who was an ex-colonel in the, in the army of Ecuador, and he sold the property against his will and was mad that he did it. Kind of like Pharaoh releasing the children of Israel. He was mad, but he couldn't do anything about it because God was bringing his hand down through persistent prayer. That is the key to seeing God work mightily. Pray about that trip, be, being a part of it, if you can, and uh, seeing what God will do. It, it's an incredible opportunity and we're happy to be there. And the Lord has put a new spark in me uh, in these years to really keep going because there's so much to do. And if Jesus comes in a couple years, we'll be happy. If he comes in 20 years, wow, I'd like 20 years more. I know. Uh, I don't know if we have it, but I'd sure love it. But we'll see what will happen. We just have to do what he asked for us right now. Let's bow and pray, and let's ask the Lord to do what he wants to do in us. Father, thank you for the, the vision, Lord God, of this great home church that Debbie and I call home, Lord, and it has been an anchor for us, Lord, through the years. Oh, Jesus, through all the relationships, the support, the prayers, the re- just like family, Lord, in the best of times and the worst of times. Thank you for using them, Lord, not only for us, but countless works throughout the world. Lord, they're going to share in an incredible harvest, incredible recompense, Lord, in heaven because of that. We thank you, Lord, for just pouring down your glory, your grace, and that you, Lord Jesus, have an incredible future for this body of believers. And we just thank you for it. Give us the strength, the wisdom, the grace, Lord, and the faith, Lord, to continue step by step with what you have for us in these last days. Help us to be faithful to you, Jesus, and be excited about your incredible plans that are glorious for each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen.